Welcome to Talks with T-Time, the podcast. I am your host, Tony T-Time West. And on this podcast, we talk sports, we talk real life events, and man, honestly, we just have fun. Listen, for the next 45 minutes to an hour, I need you to sit back, relax, grab a drink, do whatever you got to do, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Talks with T-Time, the podcast. What is up, you guys? It's your boy, Tony T-Time West, back at it again with another episode of Talks with T-Time, the podcast, season five, episode nine. Man, if you haven't already, follow us on Instagram at Talks with T-Time Podcast and follow us on Twitter at Talks with T-Time P1. Appreciate you guys' love and support, man. Got to play that Perkins calling, Perkins calling. Feel me coming into the break, man. It's been a couple weeks, man. Glad to be back. Excited to talk to the NBA with y'all. Excited to talk some college football with y'all, man. Ready to jump into it, man. Um, so yeah, man. If you haven't already, we're on all streaming platforms at Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever. Where I mean, we're everywhere, man. Spotify, whatever. So go ahead and check us out and give us a five star rating on that, man. Appreciate you guys' love and support, man. It's been a few weeks now, man. It's been about two or three weeks since I talked to you guys. Uh, like I said, just a lot going on, man. Um, you know, with me starting this new job and stuff like that, I just had a lot going on. But we back, though, man. We are going to cover a lot today. We're going to talk a lot about the NBA Finals, obviously. Uh, we'll talk a lot about that. We'll kind of touch on this Rachel Nichols. You know, I know this ain't really sports later, but it kind of is. We'll touch on that Rachel Nichols and you know, Maria Taylor situation a little bit because I do want to talk about that. And also as well, I want to jump into some college football because we are eight Saturdays away from being ready to roll for college football. So very exciting time of the year. We're working our way up the football season. It's kind of been nice to have these finals stretch out to almost, it looks like it's going to be end of July at this point. And we only have a few weeks till preseason football is going to be there. So this is kind of good to where NBA is going to be walking right into football season. So I am kind of glad about that because we really haven't had a boring summer. So let's go ahead and jump into everything. So first, I want to go ahead and jump into the NBA, you know, uh, finals. The Suns are up right now 2-0. Now, obviously, we know the Suns advanced, and they beat the Clippers in six games, and the Milwaukee Bucks beat the Atlanta Hawks in six games. Nate McMillan has been, you know, named head coach, and we'll talk a little bit about that later on, maybe. Um, But, yeah, that's just that. So, now we have Phoenix Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks, and now the game is going back to Milwaukee on tomorrow night at 8 p.m. on ABC. Um, Now... You know, Giannis obviously, you know, struggled with some injuries in that, you know, um, in that horn, uh, not Hornets, in that Hawks series, uh, where he had some, you know, knee issues. But he really has been pretty good, really, in both of these last two games. He's been really good. I really can't even say like, oh, he's the problem why they're not winning. Um, they've been pretty effective for the most part. Like even in the last game that they just lost, um, I believe he had like forty points or above forty. Um, but 
he has been very effective in his game. Yeah, he had 42 points um, against uh, the Suns in the last game in game two. Um, so, yeah, man, obviously, you know, he's actually getting it done really on like one leg if you really think about it. So we need those guys like Chris Middleton and, you know, um, also as well Drew Holiday to step it up a little bit. Um, you know, and I'm just going to talk a little bit about the last game since we're already here talking about it. So in game two, Giannis had 42 points, 12 rebounds. Um, so a pretty, you know what I'm saying, solid game from him, four assists. But then let's go look at the team around him. P.J. Tucker, seven points. Chris Middleton, who's supposed to be your number two, 11 points on 41 minutes is just unacceptable. Brooke Lopez with 28 minutes, only eight points. Drew Holiday on 39 minutes, only had 17, uh, which isn't horrible. Men coming off the bench, they did have Pat Connaughton, who gave them 14, but with 34 minutes. So that's still a lot of minutes and not a lot of points being scored. Um... So, yeah, man, I mean, obviously they have to step it up if they want a chance in winning this series. But I'm telling you now, if they lose tomorrow, it's going to be a 4-0 sweep. The Suns are going to sweep the Bucks. Now, I do want to talk about the Suns a little bit as well because they're having a great, you know, year and everything like that. Miles Bridges, who came in out of nowhere. Michael Bridges, excuse me. Michael Bridges had 30, uh, he had, on 38 minutes, he had 27 points, 7 rebounds, um, so that was big for him also as well. Uh, Devin Booker had 31 points on 44 minutes. Um, he had a great night from shooting from the three. He went seven for 12, so over half his shots from three were made. Chris Paul also as well had a good night with 23 points, um, shooting 50% from the field and three from five for three. So that was amazing. Um, and, yeah, I mean, DeAndre Hayden also had a double-double with 10 points and 11 rebounds. Um, so yeah, man, I mean, when you have that going for you, when you got a guy like Michael Bridges getting 27 and your guys can't step up, you know, for the Milwaukee Bucks, that's going to make it difficult for really any team when a guy that's unexpectedly stepping up like that, um, giving that type amount of production, it's going to be hard when your teammates don't step up and do it themselves or somebody on your team automatically, you know, makes some type of change and some type of adjustment to where, you know, you're seeing that improvement in play. But I think this series really boils down to what I've been saying for a while. Coaching. Coaching. Monty Williams is taking Coach Bud to the damn woodshed. That's just what it is. He's taking him to the woodshed. In the first two games that have been played, it's strictly been coaching. Adjustments. In-game adjustments. After-the-game adjustments. It's been coaching, which is why I think Milwaukee is actually in a crappy situation because I don't feel like you can fire Bud if he got you to the finals. But they're never going to win a title with him as a coach. It's just the facts. I don't think they win this series. I honestly think this may go to four or five. I'll give Milwaukee one game. If they don't, it's, it's all about coaching. I mean, it's, it's literally all about coaching. Because I'm going to tell you the truth. I told y'all how I felt. If Milwaukee, if Trey and everybody would have been healthy in that Milwaukee series, I think the Hawks would be playing in the finals right now. No homerism. I think the Hawks would be in the finals right now. If Trey was fully healthy, if Capella was fully healthy, we would be in the finals. I, I really do think that because it's coaching. I think Nate McMillan is a better coach than Coach Bud. I do. I'm telling you now. 
If they don't win tomorrow night and they find themselves 3-0, pack it up. Season's over. Season's over. They're not coming back. They're not winning four games straight with Coach Bud. I'm just telling you. They might can squeeze out one or two, but four, it's not happening. It's not happening with Coach Bud. Coach Bud is one of the reasons that the Milwaukee Bucks are struggling. They have not did well with making adjustments. Also as well, you cannot blame this on the Greek freak. He has showed up in the last two games. He showed up. Let me let me go back to game one because this is when he was really on basically one leg and he still showed up. But I want to go back to that game. So just give me a moment here. But I want to talk about that a little bit because I feel like he showed up for the most part in that game. In the first game, you know, coming back from injury, which I didn't even think he was going to play in game one. But the fact that he did suit up says a lot about his character and a lot about what he thinks of this team and how he feels about this team. Um, and I've always respected the Greek freak on that standpoint. Um, but, yeah, man, in my personal opinion, he has been really good in both of the games here. So I don't really want to hear any Giannis slander. Like, he's been doing a really good job in both games, but his teammates around him have just not stepped up. We got it. What? Where's Brian Forbes? He had the great series against Miami, and then he's just, like, disappeared. Like, where is he at? Like, they could use somebody like him right now. So, let me read off the stats from the first, from game one. I want to read off those stats. So, in game one, um, Giannis... Giannis in game one, hold on, give me just a second here, let me, okay. So, in game one, here we go. So, in game one, wow, my computer's acting crazy, okay. So, in game one, Giannis had 20 points, 17 rebounds. Now, this is his first game back from what I dang near thought was like an ACL tear the way he bent his knee in that Hawk series, he comes back and he gives you 20 and 17 rebounds and two steals and one block as well on 35 minutes. Now, in that game, Chris Middleton did his thing. He carried the torch 29 points a game. That's what he's going to need to do in those type of circumstances. But they still lost by 13 points. This is the key to the game, and then we're going to move on to the Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor stuff and all that. This is the key for the Bucks, and this is the key for the Suns. For the Bucks, there has to be adjustments made. There has to be some type of situation where Brooke Lopez is getting more, a little bit more comfortable in his position because he struggled in this series. Because in the Atlanta series, he was amazing. But in this series, he has struggled. DeAndre Ayton has had him in clamp shells. Straight up. Now, he did have 17 in the first game, but this last game, he struggled. Chris Middleton has to step up. If they want to win this series, if Greek Freak is getting 30 a night, Chris Middleton is going to have to be getting about 20, 25, somewhere in that ballpark. Also as well, Drew Holiday, you cannot have 10 points. You need to be having at least around 18 to 23 points in this series average if you guys want to win the season because the Phoenix Suns are just scoring at a high level. I mean, you look at it. Chris Paul's putting up 21 a night, 22 a night in this series. 
You look at Devin Booker. He putting up close to 30 a night. You cannot let Michael Bridges go for 27 on you. It's just unacceptable. You cannot let that happen if you are the Milwaukee Bucks. My tools for the Phoenix Suns is keep the great ball movement. If they keep doing what they're doing with the ball movement, keep depending on Chris Paul as a leader on the team and a point guard, you will be fine. Devin Booker, continue to feed him as well. And I would like to see them get DeAndre Ayton a little more involved offensively as well in this um, series. I would like to see him a little bit more offensively. Now, he did have 22 points in the first game, but in the last game, like I just said, he just had 10 points. So I would like to see Ayton be that third man behind Chris Paul and Devin Booker. So that's kind of my synopsis on the NBA Finals as of right now. Um, if you haven't already, follow us at AO underscore T Time 9 on Twitter. That's the personal and on Instagram as well. And if you want to follow the podcast page on IG, you're going to go ahead and follow us at Talks with T Time Podcast. And then on Twitter, it's going to be Talks with T Time P1. When we get back, now this is kind of a not sports related, but also kind of sports related as well topic. This Rachel Nichols versus Maria Taylor thing, I got to jump into a little bit. So, when we get back, we'll jump. DJ Esco. ET. Esco Terrestrial. What's up, you guys? It's your boy, Tony T-Time West, and we're back at it again at another segment of Talks T-Time, the podcast. If you haven't already, follow us on Talks T-Time P1 on Twitter, and then follow us on IG at Talks with T-Time, the podcast. Appreciate you guys' love and support. I don't know why, y'all, but I'm in a future mood today. I'm just really feeling future right now, musically. So, yeah, I don't know why I'm bumping a lot of future in the intros today, but that's just what it is. So, shout out to Future Hendrix. So... Let's go ahead and jump into this this next subject, which is not really sports, and we'll probably hit it on it again um, when we get to the you know end of the podcast and we do the ain't worth the nothing award or whatever. Uh, we'll talk about it then as well. But I want to talk about this whole Rich uh, Rachel Nichols and also as well you know Maria Taylor situation. Uh, so basically last week there was a tape that came out from last year in the bubble uh, basically of you know Rachel Nichols going on the front saying basically all reason Maria Taylor has the position that she has is because she's African American um, and they need to fit you know diversity quotas and, and stuff like that uh, now this is on the brink of Maria Taylor's contract which is actually like do any day now. Like, it, it's probably due within the next week or so, I think, I believe, or the next couple of days. Um, but Maria track and basically last year, she was saying she wants Stephen A money. She wants eight million a year, which now has been upgraded. Stephen A just got another extension that's up to twelve million. So shout out to him. Um, but yeah, you know, Maria Taylor was saying, I want Stephen A money, I want eight million. Last year they offered her five. She was like, That ain't enough. I need eight, at least. Um, and I guess at that point, they had did some type of adjustment to where they took 
Rachel Nichols off something. I don't know if it was the finals, whatever the case may be. But basically, she insinuated that Maria Taylor only has her job because, you know, she's black. And they got to meet a quota and, and stuff like that. So, it's been a lot going on. Now, Rachel Nichols has, you know, said a lot these last couple of days. Uh, you know, she said, I don't want this moment to pass without saying how deeply, you know, sorry I am and disappointed I am to the ones those I've hurt, especially, you know, Maria Taylor. Uh, you know, and obviously she's been moved. She's been moved from the finals coverage. Rachel Nichols has been completely moved, which, you know, I don't mind because I like Malika Andrews. I think she's the next new star coming up anyway. Um, and yeah, she's been moved around really at this point. To where she's literally now only on the jump. And they say, quote, unquote, it's because they don't want to take away from, you know what I'm saying, um, the finals or whatever. Because Maria would technically be introducing herself into Rachel every game if she was still into her position. But she's not. So that's that. Um, a few things I want to cover. This is basic America, folks. Straight up. These, and I, and this is no intention to hurt anybody's feelings, but it's time we start speaking facts. These Caucasian individuals who claim to be your allies, who claim to say, hey, yeah, woo, Black Lives Matter, yeah, woo, we're with you 100%, they're doing exactly what Rachel Nichols just did. Talk behind your back. Oh, also as well, I forgot something. Rachel Nichols laughed at the Me Too movement. She said, I don't know what I'm more exhausted with, the Black Lives Matter stuff or the We Too movement. Me Too, which is kind of like insinuating like rape, sexual assault towards women. And she's a woman, by the way. Um, so that makes a lot of, doesn't make a lot of sense either. Um, you know, I'm not going to play a game of who's the bleep hole because I think it's pretty clear who's the bleep hole. The bleep hole is obviously Rachel Nichols. But, you know, this is not a good look. For Rachel Nichols, it's not a good look for ESPN. A lot of former ESPN, you know, former co-hosts and legends and have came out and said, this ain't a surprise. But really, man, this is corporate America. That's how it is in corporate America, bro. It, it, this is what happens. You know, they all out, oh, we're allies, we want to, but they're not. They're right behind your back talking to Connor and Mitch about, man, I'm tired of this Black Lives Matter stuff. So you got to watch out for people like Rachel Nichols because there's a lot of them. I'm just being real. Also as well, Maria Taylor. Let's talk about her a little bit. Now, she covers college football. Sometimes she covers college basketball at times. She covers NBA now. So she covers the three and, and also as well, like she covers the three out of the main four sports in the Western Hemisphere. NFL, I haven't seen much coverage with her in NFL, so I don't think she does anything with the NFL. But college basketball, NBA, and college football. So she covers three out of the main, I say three out of the major five, because you got to put baseball in there too. So three out of the major five, she covers. Three out of the major five, she's covered, and she wants $8 million a year. Hey, listen, I'm never going to knock anybody for wanting what they want, and, and I'm never going to count any, especially a black person. I'm not going to count your pockets, bro. I want you to win. Um, so I'll never get up here and say she doesn't deserve $8 million a year or whatever the case may be. Apparently, there was a report out this morning 
stating that ESPN has sent her a $3 million deal. I don't think she's signing that. I think she's probably out of there. She's probably going to end up at Fox Sports, more than likely. But that's just me. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's ridiculous, this Rachel Nichols situation. But there's been rumors that Rachel Nichols is a brat. She's always been a brat. Um, she's the, I think she's the daughter-in-law of Diane Sawyer, who is basically Mrs. ABC. So that's the one reason that she's in the position that she's in. But hey, who am I? I'm not going to speak on her on that. Um, but, you know, a lot of people do seem to believe that is the only reason she's in the position she's in today. It's because Diane Sawyer is her freaking mother-in-law. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy stuff going on at ESPN right now. But in my personal opinion about this whole situation, I do think Maria Taylor should get her $8 million. She covers a lot of stuff. She's always on ESPN. She's young. She's going to be around ESPN for a long time, probably, the way it's looking. She's one of the few bright stars at ESPN since they've been on the, the, the complete decline. Because I think ESPN is on a downhill slope. That you know, I'll talk about that another day. But ESPN is downhill. They need stars. That's why they're paying Stephen A. Smith $12 million a year. Because without Stephen A. Smith, nobody's tuning in to ESPN first take. Nobody's tuning into that without Stephen A. Smith. Maria Taylor is similar. Malika Andrews is similar. Similar. Woj, similar. Same situation. I like, I mean, I know a lot of people crack on him. I like Kendrick Perkins. I don't, I don't think he does say a little bit of outlandish stuff, but I'm like, okay, that's crazy. But he's also as well a pretty, I, I like Kendrick Perkins. I do. I, I think he does a really good job. Um, you know, it's a few young stars they have that I'm like, okay, yeah. But the two youngest that are probably the most prominent right now is Malika Andrews and Maria Taylor. If I'm ESPN, I'm giving them the bag just to carry us for the next 10, 15 years, easily. So that's just my train of thought. But hey, everybody doesn't think like me, and a lot of people don't want to see African Americans win. Let's just be honest. A lot of these people are CEOs, rich, white, old or middle-aged men. They don't want to see that. You know, they want to see Bob, who they grew up with, get the job. That ain't worth nothing, but because... You know, he has that, you know, a relationship with him. He's going to get in the door. And that's just facts, man. So I, I, I do want, Ray, uh, you know, I, I, Rachel Nichols' apology was BS. We all know that. Um, she had to do it because she had to do it. But she's, Rachel Nichols is full of crap, which we've heard that before. Woj has called her a bad teammate before. I mean, this stuff is publicated. Like, everybody knows Rachel Nichols is a brat. Nobody really likes her. Besides LeBron and, and Tracy McGrady and the people that work with her, and that's because she got them a job, but a lot of people in the industry do not like her. And this is coming from a guy that tried to get into that sports media industry. Man, it's a, it's a tough industry to get into if you don't know people. It's tough. It don't matter how hard you work. It don't matter how any internships you make or get on. It's tough for black individuals who, you know, ain't played sports at a high, high level to get in. That's why I commend Stephen A. Smith. Even though he can be a tad bit annoying and sometimes he can be an Uncle Tom, I do have to give him credit that he got in the game not, you know, as a regular college student went through the regular process. That's why I do have to give him some respect um, on that end. So that's my, you know, synopsis on that whole Maria Taylor situation. Maria, get your bag, sister. I don't care if it's at NBC, whatever. 
Fox Sports, get your bag, man. That's that's the main thing you need to do at this point is get that bag. But I really would hate to see you leave ESPN if you do, but I think that's what's going to happen. Whew. All right, y'all. When we get back, we got to jump into some college football. Today we're going to preview the ACC and the SEC. What are our expectations? What do I think about the teams in these leagues? We're going to start that today, man. So the rest of the podcast will mostly be college football. It's your boy, 20 Time West, man. We're back on the next set. up you guys it's your boy tony t-time west back on again with another segment of talks with t-time the podcast if you haven't already go ahead and follow us on ig at talks with t-time podcast and then go and follow us on twitter at talks with t-time p1 man appreciate you guys love and support go ahead and subscribe to the podcast if this is your first time listening with us man appreciate you guys love and support man once again and let's go ahead and jump into some college football. Yes, sir. Like I said, we are eight Saturdays away from some college football action. You know your boy's excited. Y'all know I love some college football. So we're about to jump into that now. Today we're going to preview the ACC and the SEC. So we're going to talk about both teams. What are team strengths? What do we expect from these teams this year? You got to remember we're back to a normal year this year, so that's going to be good. So... Let's go ahead and jump into everything. So we're going to start with the ACC first. I don't think there's much to talk about. We know who the best team in the ACC is, and that's my Clemson Tigers. Um, you know, last year having a 10-2 season. Um, also as well, 8-1 with that one loss to Notre Dame. That's when Notre Dame was in the conference. Um, I mean, what does that to say about Clemson, right? They're the best team in the ACC. DJU is going to be a lot to expect from him. I do want to see what those young wide receivers do. You're looking at a guy like, you know, Justin Ross. Can he jump back? Can Frank Nangata take that next uh, can Nangata take that next step? Can Frank Ladison take that next step? Um, you know, those are the type of things that you want to see. Clemson returns nine starters on the defense side of the ball with losing DK and Mike Jones and transfer portal. Um, so yeah, once again, this is probably the most experienced Clemson team defensively for sure they've had since you know, probably about 2017, 2018, when they had those four D linemen coming back. Um, so, yeah, Clemson should be good, as we expect. Obviously, Georgia's going to be the big test for them this year, so we'll see how that goes. Now, let's jump to the next team that I want to talk about. I want to talk about the North Carolina Tar Heels. The North Carolina Tar Heels last year went 7-2. and two. Once again, we got, I think, a 7-2 in the conference, 8-3 and three in the season. Now, they had two bad losses one was to Virginia, and one was for, to Florida State, I believe. Um, North Carolina, if this is the year to win an ACC championship, this is going to be their best shot at doing it. Um, Mac Brown is, I mean, he's doing a great job in the recruiting ranks right now. He's doing tremendous. He's recruiting at a high level, um, and he's doing everything that he can do at North Carolina to make them really, really successful. Um, North Carolina, you obviously have Sam Howell coming back. Now, you do lose those two running backs, but you still have Bo Corrales, you still have Kavafi Brown, um, a Charlotte native, and you return, I believe, 10 starters, or 9 to 10 starters on defense. 
So I think they said their 15 leading tacker, tacklers in last year are all back. So, I mean, the majority of your defense is back. So that's going to be important to see right there for them. I think North Carolina is going to have a good year this year. I think they are the second best team in the ACC. And I think we'll see that they're the second best team in the ACC. But this year it's going to be more so Sam Howell's going to have to open it up a little bit. He's not going to have that running back game to depend on. He's going to have to really open it up this year. So that's going to be interesting to see. The third best team in the ACC, and this is all in my opinion, um, the third best team in the ACC is, to me, the Miami Hurricanes. Miami had an 8-3 season last year as well, went 7-2 in the um, conference. Miami's a team that you want to see take that next step, especially with them having De'Aaron King back. Um, you would like to see if they can, you know, they finally have an established quarterback, which they haven't had in years at Miami. I mean, who's the last? Malik Rozier, maybe? was like the last, and he wasn't even there that long. He had that one good season in 2017, and then we never heard from him again. So even him is kind of a knock. But anyway, De'Aaron King's the best quarterback, you know, the Miami Hurricanes have had in several years. Now, Manny Diaz, to me, he had a pretty good year last year, obviously with under COVID and everything like that. Um, Miami is going to have to really come out and perform. They have Bama the first game of the year. That That's probably going to be a blowout. But if you're Miami, right? If you want to catch Bama at a time, is now the time? I mean, they're completely turning over everything on offense. This is probably the time you want to catch Bama for once. But I still think Bama blows them out, though. Um, but, you know, Miami, I think they're going to be the third best team. I think Carolina is better than them. I think that it's really going to come down to them and Carolina in the Coastal. Um, so that's going to tell that story at that point. Now, the fourth best team to me in the ACC is the NC State Wolfpack. Now, the NC State Wolfpack are returning, I believe, 19 out of 21 star or 22 starters. I believe they're returning 19 or 20 of 22 starters. So this, they have a lot of experience coming back for NC State. I like Devin Leary. I think he's a great addition to that team. I think he really stepped up and showed that he can be the quarterback of the future for the NC State Wolfpack. Also, as well, you have Persons. Um, one thing about NC State I would like to see is can their – their defense was really good last year. You could argue they had the best linebacking core probably in the ACC, even over Clemson. Um, but I would like to see NC State take that next step in the secondary. Um, I would like to see if they can get better on the back end. They went 8-4 and four last year. But I would like to see if they can compete, which they always give Clemson a pretty good game. I would like to see if they could be the second in the Atlantic. I'm going to tell you another team that a lot of people are not talking about, but I think they are going to be the fifth best team in the ACC. And that's the Wake Forest uh, Demon Deacons. I think they're going to be good. Um, I know last year they struggled with a lot, and that was really because of COVID. They only played like they went four and five last year. But I think this year they also return once again 19 starters. So that's this is another team that's coming back with a lot of starters again. So a lot of these guys are coming back. I like what, you know, um, oh my God, what's Wake Forest coach name? He's his name is slipping me at this moment. Dave Clawson. Sorry. I like what Clawson has did with this team. I think, you know. I would like to see how the quarterback situation work out because I'm not really a big Sam Hartman fan. 
Um, and he's a Charlotte native as well, but I don't think he's that guy that like a Riley Skinner was or when Wake Forest was good for people that are young. When Riley Skinner was there, I don't think he gives me that type of vibes. Um, you know, I would like to see what the quarterback position does for Wake Forest, but they have talent. They have a talent wide receiver room. They have a talented running back room as well. Their defense is always pretty solid. I think they're going to be the fifth best team in the ACC this year. The sixth best team, I think, will be the Boston College Eagles. And don't be surprised if them and Wake Forest are neck and neck for that, you know, fifth spot. Boston College, returning back Flowers, who I believe is one of the best wide receivers in college football right now. Um, their defense is solid. Help, he did a great job in his first year last year. Um, you know, had Clemson on the ropes. Had Notre Dame on the ropes for a little bit. Had North Carolina on the ropes last year. So you looking at these teams I'm naming. He had them on the ropes last year in his first year coaching during the pandemic. So Boston College is a team you're going to want to look out for. Um, and then I can't think of that quarterback's name. I know it's something like German sounding. It's like Jariski's or something like that. But he's good as well. Uh, he's from Notre Dame, transferred there last year. Big arm guy, big body guy. Kind of remind me of Ben Roethlisberger. It would be nice to see him take that next step as well. Now, let's go ahead and jump into the next tier teams. I'm not even going to rank these teams because I think they're all kind of around the same level. Virginia Tech coming into this year. This is an important year for Jason Justin Fuente because if he I, – I think if he doesn't get them seven wins this year, he's gone. I, I'm, I'm serious. If Justin Fuente doesn't get them seven, year, seven wins this year, he's out of there. They got North Carolina in the first game of the year. Justin Fuente is on the hot seat to me because Virginia Tech is a perennial, you know, eight-win team every year. To me, every single year, they are an eight-win team. I'm going to tell you now. I'm going to look at their schedule. You got North Carolina the first Friday of the – oh, wow, that game's on a Friday? <clears throat> anyway, first Friday of September, you got UNC. You got Mrs. Uh, you got Middle Tennessee. Should win that game. You got West Virginia there in the middle of a rebuild. You should win that game. You got Richmond. You should win that game as well. So those are games that should be won. You got Notre Dame. So that's that's probably an L, right? So I'm looking at at this point. I think they beat those. I think they lose to North Carolina. I think they lose to Notre Dame. So you're looking at three and two. If you're Virginia Tech, you have to beat Pitt. You have to beat Syracuse. You have to beat Georgia Tech. You got to, in that little streak right there, from October 19th to October 30th, you have to win those games. If Justin, if Justin Fuente wants to keep his job, he has to win those games right there. And then you got Georgia Tech. Uh, you got uh, BC, which is an up-in-the-air game. It's going to be up in Boston, so that's going to be a, a rough one in, in November, so it's going to be cold. You got Duke. You got to win that game. You got Miami at Miami, which I think they lose, and then you got Virginia Tech. Justin Fuente can only afford to lose Miami, Notre Dame, Georgia Tech. I mean, Miami, Notre Dame, UNC. Them the only three games he's really allowed to lose. If he loses to like a West Virginia, Syracuse, he's gone. He's out of there. He's gone. I'm telling y'all now, he's out. So, next question. Group of teams, we move a little slow. Let me move a little faster. So we got Pitt. Pitt is another team that's going to be in that 8-9 to nine range in the ACC. Um, 
Pitt always is talented. Kenny Pickett's back this year. It feels like he's been in college for like 10 years. Anyway, Kenny Pitt. Uh, Kenny Pickett back, so I want to see what they're going to do on offense, but also as well defensively, they're losing a lot. They they lost Hamlin to the draft, Rashad Weaver to the draft. Uh, what's my other boy name they had? Uh, Patrick something. I think it's, it's either his first or last name is Patrick. They lost him to the draft. They're losing a lot in the draft to Pittsburgh. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do as well. After them, I would say Louisville is another team that you want to see take that next step. I think Shea Swartz, the former quarterback for Georgia Southern, is now at Louisville. So I want to see what Satterfield can do with him because if Satterfield can get him going and kind of use him similar to like how Lamar was used with Bobby Petrino, they might have something in Louisville. Um, so I think they're kind of in that next range. I would also then after that put uh, Virginia in that same realm. I like that quarterback they got, Armstrong. He's a big-body guy. He gave Clemson problems last year when we played against them. He gave Clemson problems. He did. So I would like to see. He kind of gives me – he kind of reminds me of DJU but can't run as fast. But he has – he's a big arm, big-body guy. You know what I'm saying? I think that, you know, that the the Virginia – you know, I think that could be good this year. Bronco, Bronco, Bronco Mendenhall has did a good job with Virginia for the most part since he's been there. Um – after that, that's when I put, you know, Florida State in the mix. Florida State is still rebuilding. They are recruiting a little bit better. They're, players are still going to commit to Florida State because of the symbol. I just don't believe in Mark uh, Mike Norvell. I'm not a big fan of him. Um, I, I just don't believe in him. That's just that's just that. But I do want to see what they do with the boy from, from UF, UCF. I want to see what they do with him at quarterback, McKenzie Milton. Because that's going to be interesting to see. Because if he can get better, they can improve that O-line and the talent around them starts performing. Watch out for Florida State because they could be a threat come October, November if they're on all cylinders. But I don't think they'll be that good because I don't believe in Mike Norvell. And then the last three teams I'll put on here is Georgia Tech. Um, Georgia Tech, young. I do like Jeff Sims. I do like Jameer Gibbs. Um, just really young offensively. I would like to see them, you know, kind of – just learn a little bit more. And then, like I said, they're still transitioning from that option offense stuff. So I would still give them another year or so before we really start seeing any real improvement. And then Duke and Syracuse at the bottom. I don't think either one of those teams will be good. Um, and that's just that. And I'm sorry because my cousin actually plays for Syracuse. So sorry, Cuzzo. I don't think y'all going to be too good this year. I think Dino Baber probably loses his job this year. Um, so that is that. Now. Y'all know what time it is. Let's go to the best conference in college football, the SEC. Once again, you know me. It's not much to say about Bama. We know what they are. They're amazing. They have Bryce Young coming um, in. They're just loaded on every cylinder. I wonder does Trey Sanders get back this year because, you know, I know he was, you know, he had towards ACL or something like that last year. So if they get him back, I think they still have Robinson in the backfield. You still have wide receiver uh, John Meachie. They're going to be straight. I mean, it's Bama. I don't even need to say much about them. We know what to expect. Bama's amazing. They're going to be amazing until Nick Saban goes, and they still might be amazing. Now, to me, the second-best team in the SEC is the Georgia Bulldogs. No, and this is a team that I've been saying this for the past probably six months. This is the team I can see Clemson playing twice. Georgia should be 
in the playoffs, no excuses this year. None. It should be zero excuses this year. You have probably one of the most dominant offenses this year with adding, you know, Eric Gilbert. You know, defensively, they added a lot. They got DK. They got the dude from West Virginia. They they added a lot. What's his name? I think his name's Tariq Smith or something like that. They added him to the defensive backfield. Georgia is loaded. Now, George Pickens is going to be out for a little while, but I think they say he could be back as early as, like, the game after the Clemson game. They say he might even play in the Clemson game, I think. And then, um, God, what's the other bar? Is it Baylock? I think he, I think he tore his ACL too, so or something like that. So they're gonna be missing some wide receivers at the top, but I mean they still got Aaron Gilbert, um, which is a stud in his own right. Um, but I think Georgia, I think this is the this is. I'll put it like this: if Georgia does not at least get to the national championship this year, Kirby got to be put on the hot seat, man. This team is too freaking loaded. Not to be winning it or getting there. Um, I would probably say the third best team in ACC is Florida. I think Florida is better than AM. Uh, I think, you know, they are losing a lot, but also AM kind of lost a lot too on the defensive end, and they lost that quarterback, and they lost that. They lost a lot of key. So I think Florida and AM are kind of in that same bracket. Uh, obviously, AM is recruiting re- really well. We don't have to even question that. AM is recruiting really well. But I think they're kind of around that same ballpark of eight or nine wins a year. Um, you know, but AM and Florida, I'm kind of putting them together on this one because, like I said, we got to speed it up a little bit. Uh, I expect big things out of AM this year, and I want to see what Emory Jones can do for Florida. Like, I, I really want to see how he's going to be at Florida as a starting quarterback. He's not looking over his shoulder no more. It's you, this is your team. I want to see what he does. Uh, defensively, no, Florida brings back a lot of good secondary help, which is kind of like, okay, that's that's important. We got we to gotta mention they do bring a lot of defensive help back, especially in the secondary, because last year Florida's defense was not good at all. They were not good last year. I mean, I seen them get gassed a lot last year. And I watched a lot of Florida football for some reason last year, but I did. But they got gassed a lot. Um, Auburn, to me, is probably the next team in that – you know, probably top five that's there. Y'all know how I feel about Bo Nix. It ain't no secret. I don't like the dude. I don't think he's good. I don't think he's a college. I say this. He's not an NFL quarterback. He's not good. I'm not going to ever believe the hype on Auburn. And that's just that. With Bo Nix under center, I'm not believing the hype on Auburn at all. Um, I mean, I think this team gets seven wins this year, six wins. They'll lose to AM. They'll lose to Bama. And they might even slip up and lose to one of those teams in the East. Uh, like Georgia, um, you know, they're, they're winning nine games at best. That's just where Auburn is right now. And with Bo Nix, I, I just don't see a new coach, new regime. I, I say probably six to seven wins. Uh, I, I, I won't say six. I'll say seven to eight. Seven to eight wins for Auburn this year. LSU is probably that team I would put next. I mean, same thing kind of, right? Like a lot of LSU fans are still living off 2019. And like, bro, y'all don't got it no more. Like, it's okay. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just what it is. You know, um, LSU had that little moment, and I think they're going back to being, you know, pretty mediocre. Six and five, seven and four, somewhere in that ballpark. Eight and three, which is not bad, but, you know, I don't see them being a championship contender. Um, 
The next team I would like to mention in this list um, is a team that's actually been kind of getting a lot of hype here recently, and that's Ole Miss. Ole Miss been getting a lot of hype around Matt Carroll. I like Matt Carroll. I don't think he is – he's a turnover machine, right? Like, yes, he's athletic. Yes, all this stuff is great, but he is a turnover machine. He's been a turnover machine. I do want to see what – Early does for them this year, though, at the running back position. I would like to see if he steps up another level and um, kind of just elevates his game. Another team um, that's getting a lot of praise, too, as well, is Missouri. Um, Missouri's another team that I would like to see. Do they take that next step? Uh, they kind of came onto the season strong last year, so I want to see if they can take that next step and see what they can do. After that, I would probably say Kentucky is the next team that I believe in um, a little bit. Uh, you know, obviously Kentucky's been pretty good the last couple of years. They're not good, but like, you know, 7-5, you know, 8-4, and four, that type of ball range. They've been uh, pretty decent for Kentucky uh, basketball school. So, you know, that's that. I think Kentucky probably gets around five or six wins this year. Next, I would probably say next in line for me would be Arkansas. I like what Sam Pittman did in their first year. Yes, they did go 3-7, and seven, but that team had a lot of fight. They were in a lot of close games. They were... You know, coming down to the nitty-gritty where it was very a, a very physical team, uh, Arkansas was. So I would like to see them take that next step as well. The next team after that that I would probably put is Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State will probably get about four wins. They're in a rough division, man. When you got to play Alabama, Texas A&M, Auburn, LSU every year, that's four automatic losses for Mississippi State. And automatic. Like last year they beat LSU, yeah, on some fluke stuff, but Mississippi State ain't winning no more than five games, right? Like, they're, they're not winning more than five. Like, they can compete against LSU probably, right? They can compete against Ole Miss, compete against Arkansas. So that's three possible winnable games. And then if they get two teams from the East, like a South Carolina or a Vanderbilt or something like that, yeah. But I think five wins, six wins max from Mississippi State. Uh, and then the last three teams I have is Tennessee – uh, South Carolina and Vanderbilt, Tennessee, I mean, they're just losing players left and right. I don't know what's going on down there, but they're losing a lot of players. South Carolina, new coach, new regime, you know, a lot of newness. Uh, a coach that's never even been a freaking coordinator before. Um, I, I see maybe four wins for South Carolina this year. Uh, four to five, and then Vanderbilt, just same thing. New team, new regime, new everything. It's going to be hard for them to really get over that hump, man, to me. So, that covers college football. Y'all know what's going to come next. We got to talk about who and what ain't worth a nothing. When we get back, we jumping right into it. y'all man coming into the last segment of the day man appreciate you guys love and support y'all know we got to jump into that ain't worth a nothing man y'all know what the deal is man we jumping right into it first ain't worth a nothing award of the week we got to give it to rachel nichols i mean absolutely asinine comments made in that recording i don't care if it was behind scenes or not absolutely just degrading to just say that this woman has her job because she's black. Um, you know, just absolutely just not, not cool at all. Not, not what's up whatsoever. Rachel Nichols, I'm sorry. 
I have to give you the Ain't Worth a Nothing Award of the Week. I mean, just being up there saying, oh, yeah, you know, Black Lives Matter, doing all the stuff you were doing last year, you know, glorifying everything. And, you know, that's just, it's just, it's just fake. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'd rather her just came out and said, yeah, I said what I said. I'm not hiding it, whatever the case may be. I would have preferred her just been straight up with him. Like, yeah, she only got the job because she black. Yeah, I wouldn't have liked it, but I would have respected her more if she would just said, that's how I feel. You know, honestly. So, Rachel Nichols, I'm sorry, man. We're going to have to give you the Ain't Worth the Nothing Award of the week. Also, as well, another thing I got to talk about, what ain't worth the nothing, Hurricane Elsa. Did y'all see what it did to New York City? I mean, they got like three, four, five inches of rain. More than that, like I seen whole subways flooded. Uh, what day was that? Like Wednesday or something like that. Hurricane Elsa literally wrecked part of Florida um, with a lot of water, and also as well, it hit New York pretty hard as well with a lot of rain. Um. You know, prayers to everybody up there. I believe everybody's fine for the most part, but it was just a lot of flooding going on in New York City, uh, which I seen just just a few days ago. Yeah, once again, man, pray, prayers to everybody that was affected because I don't know if anyone's passed away from Hurricane Elsa or anything like that, but prayers to those individuals that were affected by, you know, Hurricane Elsa. But once again, man, um, just really crazy, right? I mean, like I said, New York City, I'm looking at videos now. There was cars, like, in New York City floating, like, because it was just so bad. Like, the rain and everything was just so freaking bad. Um, One other uh, Ain't Worth Another Award I got to give to, I got to give Ain't Worth Another Award to y'all's former president, Donald Trump, complaining about, hey, I can't get on Twitter. I want to get back on Instagram. I want to get back on Facebook. Ooh, dude, last time you did that, you incited a whole freaking riot that killed people. Um, I definitely understand why you're not on those sites. Uh, I definitely get it. And you're just not worth a nothing, like, for even trying to even get back on because they're telling you, you ain't getting back on, brother. Like, it, it, just let it go. It's, it's over. It's OV. You're not getting back on. You're not going to get on there and try to proclaim your own riot or proclaim your own media to, to where it's a, another incident happening. Donald Trump, let it go, bruh. You're not coming back on social media. They done blackballed you and they're going to continue to blackball you. That's just that, man. Listen. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys love and support. I know this was a little bit of a lengthy podcast, but I appreciate you guys for sticking around here with me. We'll see y'all next time. Thank you for the love and support. If you haven't already, follow me at Talks Tea Time the Podcast on Instagram and Talks Tea Time P1 on Twitter. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. I hope you enjoyed the show. And we will see you guys next time.